Welcome to WNL After Class, the lifelong learning podcast. I'm your host, Ruth Candler. Our guest today is James Dick, WNL's Director of Outdoor Education and Recreation. James holds a master's degree in Parks, Recreation, and Environmental Education from the University of New Mexico, and he received his bachelor's degree in University Studies with a focus in Anthropology and History from there as well. He has been at Washington and Lee since 2002, a long way from New Mexico. At WNL, James oversees the Outing Club and the Campus Recreation Program. He manages the FECNE Challenge Course, instructs physical education classes, coordinates the Appalachian Adventure Pre-Orientation Backpacking Trip, and organizes a variety of special programs and trips throughout the year. James, thanks for joining us today. Oh, Ruth, thanks for having me. It's an honor, for sure. So you've been at WNL for 21 years, and most of those as Director of Outdoor Education and Recreation. What activities does that work include? It's easy for me to answer that question with a, a kind of a straight, non-academic, non-athletic, non-party activity falls under us. Um, informal recreation, outdoor recreation, team building, uh, all sorts of stuff falls under underneath me. Activities that get people outside, heck, inside, uh, doing doing recreational activities. So you and your staff work within the Division of Student Affairs. How do all of these activities advance the mission of Student Affairs? Sure. Um, for a long time now, people uh, have seen student life at a college as important as academic life, right? Um, and what we do enhances the quality of a student's life. And that involves helping them build community, try new things, meet new people, um, become uh, well, right? Fitness and mental health and emotional health. So all the activities that we do through my department funnel into that student affairs mission statement of helping students thrive both here and now in college and then afterwards, right? Sounds official. It yeah. does sound official. Yeah, <laughs> and fun. Yeah, and and fun. fun. Tell us more about the Appalachian Adventure Program. I understand that it's uh, one of the largest pre-orientation programs of its kind in the country. Is that correct? Yes, it's, it's a big one. Um, it, the number of students who go out on the trail, either as leaders or participants, is a large number for the size of program and staff that we have. There are larger programs in other colleges where, you know, three to five hundred students go out um, on, a, on a backpacking trip, but ours is a large one for the size of our our school and our program. So comparatively speaking. Or comparatively yeah, speaking, yeah. you bet. Um, so, so how many of those students do you know that go back and hike uh, the AT? Oh, the whole thing? Um, actually, a handful. Yeah. Yeah, you bet. Uh, it's probably a dozen now, um, at least. That must be rewarding knowing that that oh. program sparked their interest in doing that. Oh, sure, sure. Um, you know, some of them have, have uh, you know, the, the, their very first time backpacking was as a first year on our App Appalachian Adventure trip. And then they became trip leaders. They took a PE class with me. They became a trip leader. And then, you know, they either took spring term. Many, of, many, many people, when spring term was six weeks, they would take spring term off and start the AT. Wow. But now it's four weeks, so, you know, they usually do it after graduation. Um, 
and I've got a I've got a 200 mile rule for a, a former outing club member trip leader. Within 200 miles, I'd go get you and <laughs> take you somewhere, or bring you some water or Snickers or something like that. But how many have taken you up on that? Um, several, but less than you know, say 50 miles out, something like that. But uh, yeah, they they always uh, they're always happy to see us and. You know, and they don't, they don't really smell that, that great at that time. That's okay. <laughs> we, we, I'm not going to ask you to go in depth yeah, on yeah. that one. Your job description also includes management and maintenance of the back campus trails and the new outdoor recreation facilities. I've been walking those back campus trails since I moved to Lexington 18, almost 19 years ago. They're fabulous. When were those trails first created and how have they evolved over the years? Sure. Well, most of them are all um, are old farm roads. They're, that was all pasture and farmlands. None of the trees were there, say, before 1970. You know, big tracts of pasture and, and, and open land. Um, in the 70s and 80s, those, uh, those roads, those back campus roads, um, they, they became the cross-country trails and there was the, the varsity cross-country uh, race course out there and and coaches and jo uh, John Tucker coach John Tucker he developed and graded them and maintained them and 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 after his retirement um, the outing club picked up you know picking up sticks and you know doing water drainage issues and and things like that so they have a pretty long history there a lot of people have used those trails for years and years yeah, yeah. they're fabulous they were a lifesaver during the pandemic yeah yeah we we, we were able to um, do some repair work on some of the existing trails and, and again the trails that you started walking years ago were actually our roads and so they don't drain as well as um, a, a special a specific trail that we make with drainage in mind and, I've experienced the muck yeah, yeah the mud right yeah um, so we we put in a few new trails during the pandemic and tried to connect certain parts of campus. And then with the new uh, Warner property where the Outing Club barn is, you know, all of that land is available. So we added trails there. We, we expanded them quite a bit. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Let's turn now to the, the new campus facilities that alumni might not be aware of. Our podcast team had so much fun the other day enjoying climbing the climbing wall and the, and the boulder. So let's begin there. Well, for the older uh, alumni who are listening, um, the Student Activities Pavilion, uh, where you may have heard concerts and stood in crowds and bad acoustics. But the pavilion is now the home of the Outing Club. And, and what's funny is, you know, trying to change the name, you know, where we're going to meet. We'll, we'll meet you at the Outing Club. Well, the Outing Club was a house on Washington Street, the Outing Club house, right? And then it became the Outing Club Barn, which is the red horse barn when we, uh, when WNL uh, bought the Warner property. Um, and now the Outing Club is this former student activities pavilion. And if you say, we'll meet you at the pavilion now, students go to the outdoor pavilion by third year housing. And oh. they'll call, hey, I'm here for the hike at the pavilion. Where are you? And, and nine of the 10 are with me at the pavilion. <laughs> so um, we're lucky to have that building for sure. Yeah, we've made great space of it. So so there are, there were a lot of things in there when we were climbing the wall. We, I saw a row of 
uh, bikes and uh, what what else do you have there? So we, we have uh, over 40 bikes for for checkout. Um, we moved our bike shop up on top of the stage. We'll move all of our kayaks and uh, canoes and paddleboards uh, over this winter to be ready for the spring paddling season. We've got backpacks, tents, you name it. We've done quite a bit of renovation on it. Um, it's it's nice. We have two campfire rings out on the on the ropes course side, the alpine uh, tower side towards the baseball field that have seen quite a bit of use. So students can come and check out that equipment anytime they want to. Anytime, and employees, right? Yeah, um, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, a nice, it's, it's a nice perk. It is, it is. It's fr um, free for employees and it's uh, it still is only $40 to join the outing club and it's for your four years. And it extends into <clears throat> as an alumni. Um, and we actually have people come back and um, recently we had um, an alum from my time here uh, early in the 2000s, they checked out a tent and sleeping bags and it was their first camping trip. As an alum? As an alum. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. At Washington and Lee, a liberal arts education is about educating the whole person or, or holistic student development. How does work with students correspond with that ideal? Oh, that's a, that's a deep question. It um, is a deep question. I don't know. Um, if I feel that there's so much more to, a, to education than the classes that you are signed up for. You're coming to college to get an academic education, right? To learn things, develop skills, eventually get a, a position or a paying job, right? But education isn't limited to the time inside the classroom. And if you do the math, that's, that's not a whole, there's a lot of time outside the classroom. And you, we can learn from all sorts of employees on campus, right? Um, facilities management, dining services, library, you, you name it. We can learn from those people. And so a holistic education to me means there are so many opportunities throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the semester or the term that students can, can learn a wide variety of skills, nuances, personal, and I mean, improvements. I mean, we're, we're learning from each other right now in this interview, um, how to act, how to answer. Um, and so a, a holistic education to me is, is it's just that. It's every day we can learn, and we shouldn't discount the learning opportunities that aren't like fancy and formal and I'll say stuffy yeah. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I, it, yeah, I've seen you in action quite a few times, and, and you, you embody that ideal, and that it's nice to see. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah. I've heard you refer to the wellness wheel, which I find fascinating. Would you describe this for our listeners and how it applies to your work? I asked one of my daughters um, if, if she learned the wellness wheel growing up in school. I did, and it was a concept. Um, um, when I was a kid, and she didn't, she had never heard of it. But uh, it's like the trivia pursuit tiles or a, a, a pie, right? It's a wheel, and there's slices of the pie, and each of those um, slices are important: uh, emotional health, physical health, spiritual health, um, work, exercise. There's all, all sorts of things inside the the the, the wellness wheel, and 
if we address individual slices of pie uh, throughout the day, throughout the week, et cetera, then we're, hopefully we're going to be a well-rounded person, right? Uh, if, I, if I exercise and I work really hard, but I don't eat well, my nutrition is poor or my sleep is bad, then I'm not gonna be a healthy person, right? And that, that concept always made sense to me and I need to use it with my life, okay? I need to use it. Um, if, if I don't recreate, which is different than exercise, then I'm not going to be well-rounded. So I don't know if that answers. Yeah, no, it does. Yeah. It does. I just I, I like stepping back and, and looking at it that way. Well, and it's easy it's easy to focus on one thing. Tip, you know, typically this time of year, everybody is, oh, I need to get back in shape, right? It's it just <clears throat> happens. It's New Year's resolutions, and and we ate a lot, and it's we go to bed, um, you know, full, and we eat, you know, at the holidays, etc. Um, and so it's all it's focused on that slice of the pie. Of, of exercise. Well, you can only, you, it's hard to spread out your energy and attention, and we need to. Um, you know, our spiritual health, our emotional health, our mental health, th throughout the pandemic, boy, there are some highlights on mental health. Yeah, we learned a lot, didn't we? Yeah, and, and mental health, in, in order to improve mental health, people realize, oh, well, why don't you go sit outside? Go for a walk outside. And it's not a hike. Don't go on an expedition. Don't, you don't have to be extreme or outdoorsy. Simply go on a walk, right? And the results are you feel better, right? And that fulfills that slice of pie for the wellness wheel. I'm mixing my uh, no, <laughs> metaphors, no, 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 which is no, no, no. classic <laughs> me. <laughs> All right, so, so let's, let's ride that wellness wheel back, back a yeah. few years. You began your studies in anthropology and history and then pursued your master's in park recreation and environmental education. What inspired you to make that transition? Oh, yeah. Well, I've, I always wanted to be Indiana Jones, uh, to be honest with you. It, you know, the, the studying, the academic, the learning, but then the adventure of the jungle or the rivers or, you know, exploration and I still actually do want to be Indiana Jones maybe not stealing the treasures part but you know, <laughs> you know, finding them and taking pictures of them um, but I had um, I had uh, parents who encouraged me to try try what you like you know find your passion my mom uh, my dad said find your passion and uh, and pursue your passion and you won't be you won't be uh, upset I was a trip leader in college, and um, I was uh, I, I led a canoe a canoe trip, a whitewater canoe trip, as a sophomore in college. And I drove the, the people in the van up to northern New Mexico, and I met the guide, the professional guide service, and and he was a character, and he kind of looked me up and down, and uh, like made a judgment call. He must have been <laughs> in a pinch, you know. He needed a rescue boater, and I had very little rescue boat experience. Uh, I developed a friendship with him, and, and, and I asked him, wow, you, can, you do this for a living? And he said, heck yeah. I mean, he used a stronger word than heck, but, y you know, and, and I make a great living, and I have a wonderful life. And it opened my eyes to the possibility of doing what I like and bringing other people along. And 
I have a wonderful job. I have I've had a wonderful life, and and it, it's not associated with the paycheck. You you just share that story of your beginning, and how did you how did you make that move to working with college students? My brother and I opened a, a small guiding company. Um, I ended up working at uh, I worked through through uh, college at the at Rec Services. It was also known as Leisure Services before Leisure sounded too old school, right? <laughs> it's recreational Services, and so I led trips throughout college. We opened a guiding company. Um, I ended up working for REI, and so I was out, surrounded by outdoor um, equipment, outdoor recreation, and I started working at the college as a coordinator at, at the University of New Mexico, and I really loved the energy of college students, and I wasn't that much older than them, and to this day, that's what I, that's what I like. I, uh, now I, I mean, now it's hitting me. I'm significantly <laughs> older than them, but you can't check that recent college graduate box anymore. No, but but up until recently, though, I guess I was ignoring the fact that I was older than than them. Um, and 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 actually, age doesn't matter because the the guy at the side of the river when I was a sophomore in college, he probably was sixty. I don't sixty five. I don't know how he was old. He looked old. Careful. careful. Yeah, right. Old. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but he, you know, and that's probably what current students are. They see me and they, oh, that's an old. Oh, dude. I don't you think know. so, James. I would be surprised if they if they think that. In an earlier conversation, we discussed the word recreation right. as recreation. Right. And I I was immediately intrigued by a new sense of that very familiar word. Right. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. Sure, sure. And and it's something that, you know, we can get into the semantics of the word and the concept, et cetera, the definitions, but recreation uh, is something separate and after work. And we can define work as a nine to five job or work as, as effort or output, right? Work, but it is, it's, in, it's completely separate than work and it's after and it's to refresh. It's to uh, rejuvenate us as humans, right? And it's, it's vital to recreate ourselves. Some people say, well, they, re they read it as recreate as a spiritual. Well, it could be spiritual, it could be emotional, it could be mental, it could be uh, physical, right? But it's, it's intentional and it's different than work. And it's also different than exercise. And that's where I think a lot of people have, have either not understood that or they've they've um, they don't grasp the importance of the difference yeah it's fuzzy it is it is and so maybe you you exercise right um, and you you uh, if you're an indoor exerciser right you go to the gym right and you're on the treadmill minimum 30 minutes for three times a day that's what the doctors say we need to be physically healthy right um, and that improves cardiovascular uh, health right but that is called a workout, right? That's not called recreation, and it's different. It, uh, it provides different chemical release in the body. It's, it's specifically um, 
addresses something different than recreation and leisure, right? And so recreation is a vital component to human health and it's often overlooked not just by students. You know, everybody asks about students and student question, you know, student health, but we're looking at each other. We need, I need to recreate, you know, you need to recreate. And, and this distinction that I've tried to show and talk to people about and, and actually just do. I don't, you know, sometimes it's people don't, they, they don't want to be convinced that it's important. But when, when they do the activity, they reap the benefits, right? And, and recreation provides, specifically outdoor recreation, uh, provides benefits, scientifically proven benefits to the human body. So you're sharing the difference between recreation and exercise and between what's happening in the body and what's happening in our minds. Would you share a little more about the physiological responses to these activities and how they're, how they're different? The easiest way for me to explain it um, is when I exercise, I'll use uh, myself as an example, when I exercise, the intention, why I'm exercising, the goal is so I can lose weight or fit my genes better or live a long, healthy life, right? So that's the intention. I want to get healthier or be healthy or stay healthy, physically healthy. Um, or I have a goal, I have a race, I have I have to hike something, I have to ski next ski season, et cetera, right? So the chemicals released in my brain um, are slightly different than when I canoe at Lake Robertson. Sure, there's physical output, there's strength and endurance lifting the boat up and off the uh, truck rack, but the chemical mixture in the brain is, is, is different, right? Because I'm not canoeing for a specific goal other than I want to have fun, right? Now, some people might say, well, I always feel good after a workout. Well, sure, because there's chemicals released and endorphins, et cetera, right? But those are a different mixture than a recreational activity. And the serotonin that's released, right, proven to lower anxiety, um, lower depression, make us uh, smile, right? We want to we want to smile, right? Um, it's, it's fun. We probably could go into the fitness center and say at lunchtime and ask all the people on the treadmill, are you having fun? Is this fun? <laughs> probably wouldn't, you know, this is work. It's a workout, right? But uh, the people who paddle or hike or rock climb, heck, I high-fived uh, you after a rock climb recently. And and was it fun? It looked like you were having fun. Oh my gosh. Well, and, and the entire podcast team was talking about, I mean, that was when we gathered after we climbed. We were, I mean, you could feel the energy level right. of the group. And we were, we were happier. We were laughing and right. we had had a great time. I can't remember the last time I had so much fun on a lunch break right. like that. Right. And that's different than, okay, I'm going to go to the gym. Yeah. And equally as important, and I guess maybe that's my effort over my career, is don't poo-poo the recreation. Don't discount the recreational uh, importance of recreation um, because that fun 
is vital to a healthy, happy human. Yeah. Um, every time I ride a bike, I used to ride a bike a ton. I don't ride it as much, right? Um, uh, now, just different activities uh, currently. Try, and maybe to our, your listeners, hop on a bike. Go for a little a toodle around your neighborhood. I guarantee almost all of you will smile and say, oh my gosh, I used to love to do this. Biking is so much fun. We should do this more. That's a common, I hear that so often on a bike. Oh, I haven't ridden a bike in so long. It's, man, it's so fun. We should, you know what? Let's, let, we should do this more. Yeah, and you know, and, and that's, the, that's the challenge, right? I mean, because we did, we left the climbing wall the other day saying, we should do yeah. this again. And so what, what happens? I mean, our life gets busy and you prioritize, you know, other things over that fun. Oh, but, but I want that feeling again. It was addictive. Oh, it is. Sure, sure. And, and I work in recreation and I forget or am I lazy or I don't prioritize? Pick one of them, right? And I don't recreate. Which is, which is an interest. I had a conversation um, recently with somebody about well, your job is recreation. You get to do all this stuff. You have the best job. I, I have the best job. I'm going to work hard to keep oh, it. I'm, I'm going to fight you on that <laughs> That's one. right. You have a great <laughs> I job, too. I think I have a great job, yeah. too. But, and this applies to you. Um, so you get to travel all the time, don't you? You, know, you get to canoe all the time. You, oh, isn't it fun just paddling all the time? Well, if we looked at it, um, it uh, you know, real critically, my work is not my recreation. It's others, others' recreation. Right. We're yeah. going to canoe Lake Robertson or we're going to go um, uh, rock climbing. It's my work, right? And I don't get the same chemical release as you do. Oh, you get to climb for fun. You get to work for fun. That's not how it works. And so as a professional, I need to cut out, make time for me to climb because I get a much different benefit um, it is an enjoyable job. I love to see the, the growth and, and share those experiences and facilitate that fun for you. And it is fun, but it's, it's n not the same fun. So we, we talked earlier about um, the mind. And yeah, there's been increasing interest in the science behind mindfulness and mindfulness techniques. This relates to the different activity in the brain that you described earlier. How do you include mindfulness in your work, and how do you introduce or expand this concept to students? Sure. Several years ago, right, right before the pandemic, one of the Outing Club's most popular trips were mindfulness walks. And a, a key staff, a wonderful key staff, Allie, um, she had... Uh, oh, at least, at least twice, once or twice a week, they did mindfulness walks. And it turns out they just walk to the gazebo or walk along the Chessie and stop and sit and, and turn on an app on their phone and follow the uh, instructions, right? Which mindfulness is the focus and the intentional act of being present and being mindful of the moment. And there's a lot of other things as well, but that's the core concept is being here now and I try to incorporate that in my work just by doing that. I'm not a formal person. I typically don't have notes. I, I you know, I'm kind of off the cuff, right? Um, but what I try, try to do with, 
with groups is model what I would like for them to experience. And one is being here right now. I mean, there's nothing more important than being here right now with you. And this is a moment in time that we'll not have again, not to be fatalistic or anything like that, but I was lucky in life at a earlier, at a young age to realize we're not here forever. Yeah. And why not make every moment as realistically as possible, as positive and fun and, and rewarding as possible, right? And, and, um, and I've had a lot of people influence that, you know, thought process on, uh, from, you know, in me, or they, I've had a lot of people influence that, um, influence me on that, I guess is the best way to uh, put that. And the being here now, that sunset that we're seeing matters. That hike up House Mountain to the person who's never hiked up House Mountain, that's, that's really important and it's crucial. Nothing else matters. We don't have to think about tomorrow and all the things we have to do. And so teaching, teaching mindfulness to students is an informal process on my end. You bet, your, your studies will, will be there. Your laundry, your worry about social life and fitting in and making friends and where are you gonna eat and you know, the lists, right? We all have the lists in our head. Put those aside and focus on this rapid and focus on the heron that we see on the side of the river because we're here now and you're with a group of people and we'll not do that again. So James, let's, let's bring this back, back to the classroom. How do these experiences in mindfulness connect to student, student experiences in the classroom? Um, well, the community that is built on these outdoor recreation trips, outing club trips, the um, challenges overcome, right? The anxiousness of meeting new people and trying something new. They, they participate in, a, in an outing club trip and, and there are benefits. And the benefits relate back to success in the classroom. They're healthier people. They're stronger. They're, they're more resilient, and there's a buzzword that we've heard, right? Um, we have anxious students, less resilient, um, less able to make friendships due to the, the upbringing they've had uh, with social media, right? Um, so the, out, the outing club trip experiences result in a student who can handle stress. You know, it, the, in, in the end is by participating in a well-rounded college experience with trying lots of new things and meeting lots of new people and having challenges, right? It's, it's a daunting experience to sign up for a hike. You don't know anybody else who's going. What if they don't like me? What if I can't keep up? I'm not an outdoorsy person, but I'm gonna do it. They said I should do these things and I'm gonna try it. And you show up and you go on that hike and you meet somebody who you like and the trip leader, they were funny and they were good or boy, we got lost and I forgot my jacket and oh, it was cold and wet. And you know, these, these challenges, right? With a lowercase c, right? They result in um, a stronger 
college student who can handle challenges elsewhere on campus. And that might be in the academic uh, classroom where, you know, they, they don't know, they, they can't cut it. They're not the smartest person in the room anymore. They're a bunch of smart people, right? And they get their first C minus, right? And it's devastating. Well, you survived a rainstorm without a jacket. You know, C minus, it's not going to kill you, right? And so I, I hope that, that participating in outing club trips of a variety of difficulty and length and style results in a, in a more well-rounded college student who adds to the history of this place with the speaking tradition. Heck, you know, I don't let them talk on the, or I don't let them use the phone in the van. Like, you're sitting next to somebody for 35 minutes. Get off your phone and ask them their favorite dessert. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, it's, it's not just the hike that counts, right? It's the drive to and from. And, and so hopefully you'll see that person on campus and, oh, I remember, hey, how are you? Right? And so that's, that's how I hope that these activities relate back to a yeah, classroom, Enha enhancing the classroom. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk some more about um, teaching leadership. Oh, we, yeah. we, we touched on that earlier. Would you tell us about specific techniques that you use with students to build leadership? Student leadership, to me, is giving students the opportunity to practice a skill that needs practice. And it's, it's, it doesn't have to be huge, and it doesn't have to be uh, formal and structured in an academic sense. There are leadership development classes that are phenomenal. There are books and books and books of, of good leaders and quality leadership skills. And there are, there's a business surrounding leadership development. And it's wonderful. Um, but in my opinion, giving a college student a chance to be a leader with some parameters and some encouragement and a you can do it. It's not that hard. That's my take on leadership. Uh, and and it is, it's vital for, for WNL student leaders to, to try and not to fail, but to have challenges. And, and we got lost. I forgot the stoves. Oh my gosh, we hiked in eight miles. I forgot the stoves. Well, you'll, you'll learn from that. And the reality is, the students had a great time still, right? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's, I don't want to say it's the opportunity to fail because it's not failure, but it's, it's the opportunity to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes. Sure, sure. And, you know, as a, as a developing, learning, growing student, there's this fear of failure. Yeah. I came into this interview, to be honest with you, I don't want to sound dumb. I don't want to fail. I've listened to your podcasts. They're phenomenal. They're, your guests are, they sound so smart and so intelligent, right? And put together, I, I want to sound like them. So there's a fear of failure in me. And the reality is, oh, this is the first podcast I'm, I've ever done. I'm going to give it a shot and, I, and I'm going to learn from it. And, and that's what I want to encourage with students in leadership positions of all stages, you know, low stages, there's not a whole lot at risk to, you're going to lead a 10-day expedition in Alaska at, after graduation. So it sounds like you are giving them opportunities, smaller opportunities, like the Back Campus Trail leadership, 
to grow into larger opportunities like leading that Alaska trip. Is it, a, is it as simple as that, where you're, you're just building on previous experiences and letting them, like a, like, the, like a ladder to bigger trips or to bigger experiences or more challenging experiences? In a way, yes, it is that simple in my mind. Um, but there's also the need, <clears throat> the desire in the individual to improve mm. and be okay with that frustration and be real in our own expectations. Um, there's also articles to read, videos to watch, practice to be done, and, and it doesn't come naturally. Uh, so there's work to be done. And it's a, a, my role here almost is to give the student the nudge, you can do it, and we'll give it a shot, try. If they respond and they say, oh, I liked leading that trip. I, I was an app adventure trip leader. They have two other co-leaders. They, they walk 35 to 45 miles in five days. I don't want to downplay the difficulty of some of the routes, but some of the routes physically are not really, really challenging. The challenging part is dealing with nine, six to nine first years who just met and you're one year older than they are, and you're trying to be cool and not get lost and not burn the quesadilla and get along <laughs> with your colleague. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that, that come from these lower leadership experiences that directly translate into meet, leading a team, uh, projecting a goal, planning ahead, dealing with difficult people in difficult situations. You're creating relationships with students that last well beyond graduation. I hope I'm not going to embarrass you here. Uh, but I remember being in your office one day and seeing your bulletin board. Oh. That was completely covered by messages from students and alumni. What kind of feedback do you hear from alumni about their outdoor recreation experiences at WNL? Oh wow! It, um, I'm, I've been privileged to know, to have known a lot of really, really neat people. Some would say zany people, right? Nice and fun, <laughs> just great, great interactions. And every time I get a postcard from from somebody. I snap a picture and email them and thumbs up and, and because it keeps me connected with them. Um, one of the most common comments I hear from alumni was, oh my gosh, it was so fun. And I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that again. And the reality is you can, right? We, we can, they, alumni, you can go hiking today or this weekend, you know, you could camp in your backyard this weekend. It doesn't have to be big. Or come back to WNL and, and, and rent a tent. You bet. Right. Um, do a trip with me. I would love to do a trip with you, right? Um, and we would talk. We would bring up all those old stories of, remember remember when you, you know, spilled this or spilled that? You <laughs> or know, or the quesadilla. Yeah, sunk the canoe. I remember that canoe. I totally remember that, you know. <laughs> but um, the most, yeah, the most common thing I hear from students is uh, probably a year out. That's when it hits them. I didn't know how easy it, it was to access the outdoors yeah. and access the equipment and sign up for trips. It's harder 
it does get more challenging. They're in a big city. They don't, they don't have that, the, well, they don't have the equipment room, the outing club equipment room. They don't have all the, the, the packs and the paddle boards, and it's, it's not free anymore, right? Or $40 membership, but free to use as many times as, as they want. And so they, they reminisce on, on how easy it was and what an impact it had on their friendships and the place, to be honest with you, with WNL, the place. The and club our is, surroundings. We are a gift. Right. What a gift that we have with right. uh, being surrounded by this nature. Sure. Uh, within 35 minutes, we've got caving, rock climbing, paddling, whitewater, flatwater, fishing of all kinds, road biking, mountain biking, trail running, hiking. Uh, you, you name it. We have it. In this beautiful setting here in Rockbridge County, what do you enjoy most about showing students the natural world that surrounds us? Wow. I think it's a combination of the sense of accomplishment that I see within the student after doing the thing, whether it's paddling or rappelling or hiking, and the ah, this sounds this will sound sentimental and maybe a little cheesy, but it's there's a sparkle in their eye, yeah. and there's like a little magic and a little, you know, I I I knew you would like that. I I thought you would like this sunset view from this this remote little rock cliff off the parkway that nobody else knows about, and I found it once and. You should come, come check this out with me. It'll be great. You know, we'll bring some cheese and crackers. And, and, uh, and, and I like what I do for both the students who have a ton of outdoor experience. And, you know, hiking House Mountain or uh, Devil's Marble Yard or a Class 1 river run is not, you know, it's not as exciting or challenging for them. I, I, I like providing additional challenges for them, right? Um, harder, harder activities and um, or, you know, harder conditions, et cetera. But I really enjoy somebody who's never seen that view and they've never like hiked in the woods. And like, that's, that's special. Like, wow, yeah. you've never hiked in the woods? It's like me at New York, in New York City. Look at those buildings. <laughs> yeah. Wait, did you, you once shared a story about um Walking with international students and pine trees. Oh yeah, it was just this this fall, right? And it's right over North Mountain at uh, what used to be known as Longdale uh, Recreation Area. Now it's Green Pastures. It's a beautiful little forest service area, and um, it's somewhat of a, a smaller hike. I don't know, three miles, but it, it was incredible. We stopped at almost every rock and every piece of moss and every different tree, and and. You know, some of them live or come from places that don't have pine trees or mountain laurel or oak, you know, and, and it was fat. It was, it's, it, 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 it's wonderful seeing that hike. We've done a lot in all kinds of weather and seasons through their eyes. This is the first babbling brook they've ever seen in their life. And I've stepped over it, I don't know how many times, right? And it's like, oh, that's, that's why we're here. Yeah. And it makes you think about it a little differently as well. Oh, sure. And, you, you know, the challenge for people who work in this type of job is not to skip the babbling brook. And it's, well, we have 42 minutes left just to get back, and it's, it's the next group. 
or it's the next hike. You know, uh, during the pandemic, I hiked House Mountain with groups, often um, two or three groups a day. I hiked House Mountain three times in one week, twice a day. And they don't, they didn't know that. They don't care. That's the first time they've ever hiked House Mountain. And the challenge for me is to make that babbling brook or that really cool pine tree or that overlook special for them. And, and somehow I've been able to stay fresh and stay interested in, yeah, this is a great tree. Wait till you see this tree. I think it's still there. You've been responsible for many profound and formative experiences uh, with students. If I, have to, if I had to ask you some of your top memories, what would those be? There, there was the time the two students sunk the kayak uh, from Bean's Bottom <laughs> down to Jordan's Point on a Friday afternoon hike, or a, fr a Friday afternoon paddle, right? And they're having such a fun time paddling a tandem kayak and they're giggling the entire ride. They just met each other. They're giggling in the drive. They're giggling in the paddle. They're giggling after getting the, the kayak stuck and pinned in low water and sunk. They're on the bottom of the river and laughing and laughing and laughing. And, you know, finally I had to say, you, you know, you're going to have to get out of the boat. Like, we have to fix this problem, <laughs> right? Um, so there really isn't just the one moment. Uh, Kilimanjaro, uh, on our Kilimanjaro trip once, I got out of the tent in the night to, to use the restroom and, and uh, another student uh, had done the same thing and the Milky Way was huge. And literally, we looked at this starry sky and the Milky Way and looked at each other, never said a single word. And, and to this day, once in a while, we'll text back, you remember that moment? It was a moment, a tangible moment. Um, hundreds of sunsets hundreds of campfires where people feel comfortable sharing something. Quiet people in the group, all of a sudden the next, the second or third night of our camp trip, they start talking and they feel comfortable finally. Um, you know, getting, getting lost, getting wet, getting cold, pulling out a chocolate bar and thinking, you know, having people think that's the, that's the bee's knees. Like, where did that, oh, this is the best chocolate bar the times I've heard this is the best mac and cheese is hilarious. <laughs> all right, you make that mac and cheese at home, it's not good. It's not good at all. And it's, it's incredible on the trail, right? So it's hard to pick one experience, sorry. So James, we typically end our show with a few questions about what life is like when you're not working with students. We, we sometimes call this our, our lightning round. Um, so just give us a quick answer with what first comes to your mind. So I know that you are two continents away from having been on expeditions on all seven continents. What has been your favorite journey so far? <laughs> so hard for me to do a favorite. I can give you a, a rotating top 10 list. That's the running us, joke in my us, family. You can give us the rotating <laughs> top 10. Go for it. That's a, that's a really hard question for me. And it's, it doesn't have a specific place. And I believe this full with my full heart and soul. It, it doesn't matter the place. I enjoy the experience and the moment. It doesn't matter the weather. It doesn't matter the season. It matters about the people.
and we could go to Africa, we could go to Australia, we could go to uh, Goshen Pass, we can go back to where I'm from, New Mexico. We could, I could take another group to the canyon area in south, uh, southern Utah, right? The Arizona Strip and, and a backcountry canyon and show them petroglyphs and pictographs. It doesn't matter the place, it has everything to do with the people. On long travel days or slow going on a truck, what is your favorite way to pass the time? My immediate reaction is I try to enjoy the moment. And the moment is hot and hungry and tired. You signed up for this. You, <laughs> you, 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 know, you put yourself here. Uh, enjoy, you know, enjoy the moment. And not because we're supposed to be mindful. None of that. It's just it is what it is. And here we are. So enjoy. What is your favorite Rockbridge County view? I'm debating whether to tell the actual location. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want anybody um, else to know about it? My favorite Rockbridge County view, I feel like I want to keep secret. Okay, it's a good right. one. That's fair. It's a good one. Um, most people know the the really, really stellar viewpoints. The top of North Mountain towards Pete's Cave is, is a beautiful view, uh, seasonally, right? Um, I'll say my favorite view is in Goshen Pass, and it involves scrambling and climbing up some gullies and a rope or two and a rappel, and it's worth it. That's fair. For alumni coming back to campus, what would be your top three recommendations of must-dos? Oh, great. Not hike House Mountain, right? Everybody wants to. Um, it's a wonderful, iconic view. It, it's, it's, and I'm not downplaying House Mountain. It's a, fantas it's a fantastic location, but there are others that if you're coming back and you haven't been been back to Lexington in a while, I would float the James River. I would um, rent a kayak. I would float down the James River. And it is an incredible view. I would hike our back campus trails, walk, run, or mountain bike them. They're phenomenal. They're easy. They're accessible. You can do that during reunion weekends. You, they, you can do that on a lunch hour. They're really, really close and accessible. If you've not been to Goshen Pass in a while, you should go. You should go and sit by the river. You should hike one of the routes. You should at least drive through Goshen Pass. It's one of the prettiest places in the state. People come from all around the region to see Goshen Pass. It's incredible. And I know you love exploring the outdoors with your family. What is the best non-WNL adventure that you've been on? Boy, there's a lot. <laughs> we did a family bike, uh, a bike tour along the Danube River. When the girls were old enough to appreciate the, the place and handle the difficulty of the riding, uh, the mileage each day, 
the whole family was together. We had great energy. We had some reroutes due to a flood that had happened. There were some challenges and some weather issues and picnics and just it was it was one of the best family trips we had had and we did it really inexpensively and I, I, I remember the smiles on the girl's face and high-fiving Julie and, and it, was one of the, it was one of the best ones we've had. That sounds wonderful. So your professional life is all about health and wellness. What is your guilty pleasure? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh, I eat so much sugar. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I sure hope there are people listening to this who say yes, he does. I mean, any candy, chocolate, not really. I mean, brown sugar. I'll eat brown sugar by the spoonful. <laughs> maple sugar. Oh yeah. my gosh! It's, it, if it wasn't so expensive, I would I would drink more of it. <laughs> oh my god! I didn't know that about you. Oh, that's so funny. All right. So if you were to be a couch potato for a day, what would that look like? Oh, you, there's, for our listeners, James has a look of shock on his face. <laughs> I, yes. Uh, if I was to be a couch potato for a day, I probably would uh, uh, drink some coffee and read a, read a book and... No, you that's liar, not. liar, yeah, pants yeah. on fire. <laughs> you know what? That's a hard one. I don't know if I could be a couch potato um, uh, for a whole day because I just have a, a urge to do something, and um, I probably probably would end up tying some flies or whittling, or or I probably would read a little and then get bored of that. And oh, I need to practice some knots, or like should I chop some firewood? I I don't know if I could, Ruth. <laughs> All right, James, you are such a, a great sport. Thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks, Ruth. I, this was one of the coolest things I've ever done. Yeah, appreciate it. That says a lot right there. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you, our listeners, for tuning in. We hope you'll visit our website, wlu.edu lifelong, where you'll find our show notes as well as a truly great selection of other WNL lifelong learning opportunities. Take a look. And until next time, let's remain together, not unmindful of the future.